Section 43 of A Failure of Initiative. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. A Failure of Initiative. Final Report of the Select Bipartisan Committee to Investigate the Preparation for and Response to Hurricane Katrina by the United States House of Representatives. Medical Care, Part 4 Finding New Orleans hospitals, VAMC, and medical first responders were not adequately prepared for a full evacuation of medical facilities. After New Orleans flooded, city medical centers needed to be evacuated, on September 2nd, Good Morning America showed the desperation of people trapped inside hospitals, reporting on a banner hanging from Charity Hospital that read, Stop the lying and get us the hell out of here. Floodwaters prevented hospitals from receiving supplies or personnel, and some private hospitals, such as Methodist, say medical supplies and fuel tanks being airlifted to them by their corporate headquarters, were being intercepted by FEMA. Many hospital emergency power generators were located at ground level or lower, often below sea level, and were subject to flooding. To make matters worse, fuel pumps were often placed at ground level, and fuel storage tanks with limited fuel capacity were frequently below ground level. Three acute care hospitals in the New Orleans area remained operational, four maintained some limited function, and twenty-one were not operational, closed or evacuated. In hospitals that lost power like Methodist, pulmonary ventilator systems and other medical equipment requiring electricity became inoperable. Patients requiring ventilators were sustained by hand pumps. State and FEMA urban search and rescue teams were sent to help the hospitals evacuate, but they were intercepted by people trapped in the floodwaters and on rooftops. While Guidry said hospital evacuations were a huge logistical success, they evacuated 12,000 patients by Saturday, September 3rd, they did not seem like a huge success to many patients awaiting rescue. Hospital and VAMC Evacuation, Their Stories and Timelines of Events Evacuations from VAMCs for Hurricane Katrina have received mostly favorable attention, particularly in comparison to the evacuation difficulties encountered by other New Orleans hospitals and shelters. We had people on ventilators, we had liver patients, ambulatory patients, and every patient that we evacuated from every one of our facilities made it through this evacuation, VA Secretary R. James Nicholson said. On Monday, August 29th, the VAMC Biloxi domiciliary patients and nine members of the medical staff were evacuated to VAMC Tuscaloosa, leaving 904 patients, staff, and family members sheltered in VAMC Biloxi. VAMC Gulfport patients were transferred to other facilities before the storm made landfall. VAMC New Orleans did not mass evacuate prior to the storm, 
and during the two days that followed august thirtieth and thirty first its evacuation plans were activated five five-ton trucks were used in cooperation with dod's air transport staff and hhs to evacuate ninety eight patients to the new orleans airport on september first from there the patients were flown to the houston jackson and alexandria vamcs at this time efforts were also underway to evacuate the remaining ninety four patients and three hundred sixty seven staff and family members at vamc new orleans by friday september second all patients staff and family members were evacuated from vamc new orleans donald smithberg c e o of lsu health sciences center health care services division and approximately twenty members of his staff provided a detailed account of the evacuation of their facilities charity hospital and university hospital smithberg went to baton rouge to staff the state eoc on the saturday before the storm and on sunday at seven a m he activated code gray but decided against calling for evacuation at five thirty a m on monday morning university lost electrical power charity followed losing power at eight a m both hospitals began using their emergency generators just two to three minutes after the power failures charity's generators and electrical equipment were located in the basement and lsu officials said they knew charity would probably lose emergency power if severe flooding occurred the waters continued rising over the course of monday and late that night charity lost its emergency generators unlike charity university's emergency generator and electrical equipment were housed on the second floor considered high enough to avoid flooding and low enough to avoid wind damage university lost emergency power anyway and both hospitals were left in darkness and without the means to care for their patients on tuesday august thirtieth louisiana wildlife and fisheries evacuated nine of the seventeen intensive care unit patients at university and four from the charity campus evacuation efforts were suspended however due to reports of gunfire and impending nightfall on wednesday august third at three a m lsu received a request from the state oep to prepare a patient roster officials were told patients should be triaged to red yellow and green status red critical green stable and lsu staff gathered the necessary information manually later that morning the state oep notified them via the heaar system to prepare for evacuation but evacuation aid never arrived at eleven a m charity was notified its evacuation was to begin in thirty minutes but by four p m they were still awaiting word from the national guard regarding potential evacuation that evening the hospitals were notified the water level was too high for evacuation via the national guard's five-ton trucks further complications arose on thursday august thirty first when lsu was told evacuation orders were on hold due to rumors of violence and potential harm to rescue workers an email between hhs employees that morning confirms this 
patient evacuation has been hampered by security issues on patient movement it is unsafe for patient movement to continue without security provided lsu was told evacuations would resume after the arrival of federal troops smithburg said the coast guard and national guard were evacuating people in the most immediate danger so lsu was not a top priority evacuations for university and charity patients and staff began on friday september first at eight a m and noon respectively the u s coast guard arrived by helicopter patient evacuations were facilitated by the coast guard louisiana and florida wildlife and fisheries nopd and state police hhs emails that morning also indicate today's priorities are charity and university hospitals a total of one hundred and sixty seven patients were evacuated from university and approximately two hundred from charity lsu indicated that all of these patients were sent with paper records and three patients died due to the storm two were ventilator patients who died on the roof of the hospital during evacuations larry graham ceo for pendleton memorial methodist hospital monitored the storm on his own and stated that he received no calls from the city or state government on friday at five p m he believed the storm would miss new orleans but on saturday he realized there was going to be a problem he began contacting all hospitals with which methodist had transfer agreements but none would admit patients due to concerns about how the storm might affect them all of methodist's agreements are with hospitals in louisiana or mississippi because all patient transport is handled via ground ambulance he likewise indicated methodist is a for-profit hospital meaning it does not receive fema funding and is responsible for the costs of airlifting patients even with such funding however graham is not sure evacuation measures are practical in anticipation of hurricane ivan methodist evacuated over thirty icu patients over a total of forty-five hours however by saturday august twenty seventh methodist did not have time for an evacuation of this scale methodist housed a total of seven hundred and fifty people during hurricane katrina including a hundred and thirty patients twenty-eight were icu patients with twelve patients on ventilators and sixteen were dialysis patients chalmet medical center methodist sister hospital located twelve miles away evacuated its six icu patients to methodist the remaining people at methodist were staff family and people who had sought shelter in the hospital from the storm like university and charity methodists emergency generators failed after the storm the generators were located on the roof but the fuel pumps had flooded graham cut power in all areas that were deemed not critical and they hand ventilated patients requiring oxygen the next day they began hand carrying fuel to the generators chalmette's generators were located on ground level at the time however tim coffee the then ceo of chalmette believed the facility was sound on august twenty eighth ambulances were supposed to be en route to the hospital but graham said they were commandeered by government officials 
Methodist's parent company, Universal Health Services, Incorporated, UHS, located in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, was sending the hospital supplies, including fuel and water, via helicopter. The supplies never arrived, because, as Methodist and UHS believe, FEMA intercepted the cargo. Army officers and FEMA officers arrived on Tuesday, and Graham informed them he needed assistance with evacuations. The officials assured him they would return, but never did. Throughout the ordeal, Methodist had the assistance of twelve National Guardsmen, as well as police forces that stayed for security reasons. Post-Katrina evacuations started taking place on Wednesday, August 31st, because Methodist's corporate office contracted with private companies. The difficulties the hospital encountered were still enormous, though, as a September 2nd email from a Methodist doctor to HHS staff indicates. Contrary to what has been reported on the news, Methodist Hospital, including Albert and Maxine Barocas, have not been evacuated, and the details are grisly. FEMA has been intercepting supplies sent to the hospital, and patient and staff evacuations have essentially ceased. If anyone can help bring attention to this problem, please help us. Below are some facts related to us by the staff at the hospital during one of the few occasions we have been able to talk to them. 600 people in hospital, 13 patients on gurneys, staff is dehydrating. FEMA is diverting support being sent in by UHS, owners of hospital, away from the hospital. Temperature is 110 degrees with humidity. No fuel left to operate the hospital tower. No communication with National Guard to coordinate evacuation of patients. Having to feed 500-plus non-patient refugees, they are very close to rioting for the balance of food, water, and supplies. No power, no communication. Everything is manual, no x-ray, running out of supplies. Patients are on the second floor and third floor, having to carry patients up the stairs, and helicopters didn't come back. Without power, the ventilator-dependent patients are being manually bagged in one-hour shifts by staff, refusing to take gurney patients. FEMA is commandeering all supplies and all private effort to get supplies, including fuel, food, water. Governor is misrepresenting what is going on. Snakes in hospital. Rashes on staff from water. Losing nurses as a result of dehydration. Need FEMA to land on roof and prove what they are saying is correct. No security. Uprising for food, water, and supplies. Governor did not allow for the evacuation of hospitals and now won't help. Uprising of refugees. Graham said the evacuations at Methodist were completed late on Friday, September 2nd. He also stressed that midway through the evacuation, he learned patients who were triaged to the New Orleans airport were not receiving adequate care. He began withholding patients who were supposed to be taken to the airport because Methodist was in a position to provide them with better care. He cited this as a primary critical issue, the evacuation of patients to locations unable to provide medical care. 
Coffey added that Chalmette doctors who went to the New Orleans airport to offer their services were turned away by DMATs who said they were not credentialed in the NDMS physician database. On September 20th, an official from Tenet Healthcare, Memorial Hospital's parent company, told CNN the National Guard evacuated some patients from Memorial before the flooding began on Tuesday, August 30th. The next morning, Wednesday, Tenet reported to CNN that it asked New Orleans local authorities for assistance in evacuating critically ill patients, but was told it would have to hire private companies. Later that day, Tenet says local authorities and Good Samaritans provided limited assistance with evacuations by boat. On Thursday, helicopters hired by Tenet airlifted approximately 400 patients, employees, and evacuees from Memorial to another Tenet-owned hospital in Slidell, Louisiana. Tenet indicated flights were suspended overnight, after reports of sniper fire, but evacuations resumed and were completed by the end of the day on Friday, September 2nd. Louis Armstrong International Airport The medical operation at the New Orleans airport was chaotic due to lack of planning, preparedness, and resources. After patients were evacuated from medical facilities, most were taken to the New Orleans airport, which served as a hospital for the sick, a refuge for thousands, and the hub of medical evacuations and airlifts. There were two separate missions at the airport. The first was attending to the medical needs of evacuees, and the second was processing evacuees not needing medical attention. According to OR2 DMAT, evacuees who needed medical treatment were triaged, treated, and prepared for transports, People not requiring medical care were processed and prepared for transport to shelters in other states by commercial aircraft. In total, over 21,000 displaced persons not requiring medical care were evacuated. Overnight, we turned New Orleans Airport into the busiest helicopter base in the entire world. At any given time, there were at least 8 to 10 helos offloading on the tarmac, each filled with 10 to 40 survivors at a time, with 10 circling to land. It was a non-stop, never-ending, 24-hour-a-day operation, said Dr. Hement Van Kaula, a member of the Dallas DMAT deployed to the New Orleans airport. Medical patients arrived by truck, bus, ambulance, and helicopter, with little or no information or records about their conditions. The medical personnel at the New Orleans airport were challenged by the sheer number of patients and the lack of information about patient medical histories. By August 31st, three DMATs had arrived at the airport. Eventually, eight DMATs would be stationed at the New Orleans airport to help provide care during patient movement operations in New Orleans. The Air Force also deployed an EMEDS team on Thursday, September 1st to augment the medical assistance operation in place at the airport. These EMEDS teams also assisted with aeromedical evacuations. An OR2 DMAT after-action report described medical facilities established in the upper and lower levels of the west terminal of the airport, 
These facilities were supplied and staffed by DMATS and PHS officers. The flow of patients was constant, and it is estimated the entire medical operation at the New Orleans airport treated approximately 3,000 patients who were eventually evacuated by military aircraft to other facilities. Some DMATS believe the number was much greater, as high as 6,000 to 8,000 patients. Despite the treatment and evacuation of thousands, the medical operation at New Orleans Airport was chaotic, due to lack of planning, preparedness, and resources. FEMA officials did not conduct an adequate assessment of the situation before deploying DMATS. Upon arrival, many teams were confused about where to place assets and how to integrate into the existing operation. Many DMATs arrived before their cache of supplies, limiting their ability to do their work. According to Van Kaula, medical personnel were operating with a limited amount of supplies and a generator with only partial power. All we could do was provide the barest amount of comfort care. We watched many, many people die. We practiced medical triage at its most basic, black-tagging the sickest people and culling them from the masses so that they could die in a separate area, Van Kaula said. TX-1 and TX-4 DMATs, which were among the first to arrive, had equipment that was not updated and could not link together other critical equipment, such as ventilators. Similarly, one team member from OR-2 DMAT observed five different models and brands of glucose monitors, all using their own proprietary test strips that weren't interchangeable. The CA-4 cache, which was current, arrived later and supplemented these caches. OR-2 DMAT reached the conclusion that there didn't appear to be a clear plan for dealing with the approximately 25,000 evacuees who arrived at the airport. There was insufficient food, water, and sanitation. One team member said evacuees were being taken from a dehumanizing experience, flooding and rescue, and placed into an equally dehumanizing environment at the New Orleans airport. Finding the government did not effectively coordinate private air transport capabilities for the evacuation of medical patients. The Association of Air Medical Services, AAMS, comprised of 300 mostly private air transportation providers, represents 85% of all hospital transport capabilities. In coordination with the Center for Transportation Injury Research, AAMS has a database called the Atlas and Database of Air Medical Services, ADAMS, a web-based interactive database listing these air medical services, rotary and fixed-wing aircraft, and the receiving hospitals. The database is updated annually, funded by the Federal Highway Administration, and receives technical support from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. In response to Hurricane Katrina, there was only one governmental request for access to ADAMS. Nevertheless, AAMS companies provided support for medical evacuations of both hospitals and nursing homes in Hurricane Katrina's aftermath. They were not used for pre-landfall evacuations, and provided most of their resources without official contracts with hospitals, 
authorities were slow to establish a system for filtering evacuation requests confusion and indecision about evacuations led to delays aams said fema did not help their efforts on the morning of august thirtieth fema tasked carla brawley a department of transportation contractor to find and secure air medical resources brawley contacted acadian air ambulance flight coordinator mike saunier to request resources acadian is the largest air ambulance provider in louisiana an aams after action report stated according to mr saunier some time later that morning the national guard air boss name unknown contacted mr saunier at acadian and tasked him to serve as his civilian equivalent mr saunier and acadian air ambulance was then tasked with coordinating missions into and out of new orleans airspace coordinating requests for air evacuations from many of the new orleans area hospitals and also serving as the main contact between civilian providers and the lone FAA contacting officer that was tasked for this job by the Department of Transportation for FEMA. By the end of the day, approximately 50 medical helicopters and 13 fixed-wing aircraft were in New Orleans. While the first air evacuation took five hours, coordinators were in place to expedite the process on Wednesday over the next ninety-six hours approximately two thousand air medical evacuations were coordinated through aams members acadian estimates it was responsible for eight hundred of these evacuations aams members accomplished these evacuations despite difficulties in communication and coordination poor use of assets and lack of coordination prevented additional evacuations AAMS estimates it could have been able to move up to 7,000 patients if a better system had been in place. The first 72 hours was chaos, said one AAMS member. The majority of requests came directly from hospitals such as Tulane University Hospital and Charity Hospital because they were not receiving help through the Emergency Management Assistant Compact, EMAC. On August 29th, Hospital Corporation of America Division President Dave Smith requested Air Heart Air Ambulance of Sacred Heart Health System to help with evacuations of Tulane. Smith said fuel for the generators was running low and floodwaters were approaching the facility. The following morning, Tuesday, Tulane University Hospital requested assistance with transporting two specialty pediatric patients from New Orleans to Little Rock, Arkansas. The Arkansas Children's Hospital and its affiliate Angel One Transport responded along with other children's hospitals. Fixed-wing aircraft were provided by two hospitals in Texas, Texas Children's Hospital in Houston and Cook Children's Hospital in Fort Worth and Mercy Children's Hospital in Kansas City, Missouri. Additionally, Miami Children's Hospital provided a helicopter to assist with the evacuation of 13 critically ill PICU pediatric intensive care unit patients and family members. Tulane also directly contacted Florida-based Air Methods LifeNet Division the same day for evacuation assistance.
in addition to these requests personal networking also proved valuable in the absence of formal agreements on august thirty first a doctor who lived in hawaii and had attended tulane university contacted a colleague at tulane university hospital together these two doctors coordinated the assistance of hawaii air ambulance aams donated helipad coordinators to aid in efficiency and were able to evacuate two hundred patients by noon on friday september second compared to new orleans aams involvement in mississippi was markedly different air methods lifenet division summarized their experience in mississippi by saying during the entire katrina experience in mississippi there was no federal command and control or coordination of resources across the whole area attempts to coordinate with fema rescue operations center in jackson mississippi were rebuffed by federal officials there who stated clearly that all air evacuations in mississippi medical and usar had been federalized and that no civilian medical aircraft were needed john dickerson the fema eoc representative in mississippi declined offers from one aams agency to provide twenty-five helicopters to mississippi the mississippi eoc had requested support through emac from florida air transport agencies johnny delgado program manager of baptist health south florida baptist health air transport and a board member of AAMS, had a crew and was ready to fulfill the request. They were en route to Gulfport, the meeting point for air medical evacuation support agencies, but were turned back. Dickerson told them because the response was now federal, private agencies were not allowed to assist. However, a different AAMS company dealt with the Mississippi EOC directly, and was able to provide support to the state. End of section 43